0: Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed.
1: I think that we have to get to the heart of the problem here, and the heart of the problem is the way in which many of us were taught American history. American history is not all glorious, and, and even though I love John to death, I couldn't disagree more about George Washington. George Washington was a slave owner, and we need to call slave owners out for what they are. Whether we think they were protecting American freedom or not, he wasn't protecting my freedom. I wasn't someone who my ancestors weren't deemed human beings to him. And so, to me, I don't care if it's a George Washington statue or a Thomas Jefferson statue or a Robert E. Lee statue. They all need to come down. There is a way that we can recognize yeah, Angela, and got appreciate. A I'm not I'm, here. not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Finished, you're, you're, you're um, I'm, but I'm not. But I'm not. But I'm not, but I'm not no. no, no. Oh, but i'm not but i'm not but you i'm not trying to, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna finish Just my point on. I'm going to finish my point. On, I'm not feeding into white supremacy. I'm calling out white supremacy for what it is. And sometimes what it is, John, are blind spots. Sometimes what it is is not acknowledging that this country was built upon a very violent past that resulted in death and the raping and the killing of my ancestors. So I'm not going to I'm not going to allow us to say that it's okay for a Robert E. Lee, but not a George Washington. We need to call it what it is. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be taught about. We definitely need to learn about it so So we don't repeat it because we're very close to repeating it right now. But I'm not giving any deference to George Washington or to Robert E. Lee.
0: Now, this was not a normal week, so this is not a normal show. President Trump's actions and inactions in the wake of Charlottesville are provoking some uncomfortable conversations, mostly off the air, if we're being honest. In discussions among friends and family and debates on social media, people are questioning the president's fitness. But these conversations are happening in newsrooms and TV studios as well. Usually after the microphones are off or after the stories are filed, after the paper's been put to bed, people's concerns and fears and questions come out. Questions that often feel out of bounds, off limits, too hot for TV. Questions like these. Is the president of the United States a racist? Is he suffering from some kind of illness? Is he fit for office? And if he's unfit, then what? These are upsetting, polarizing questions that they're uncomfortable to ask. But we in the national news media can't pretend like our readers and viewers aren't already asking. They are asking.
2: Well, what do you say to that? I'm just going to speak from the heart here. What we have witnessed was a total eclipse of the facts. Someone who came out on stage and lied directly to the American people and left things out that he said in an attempt to rewrite history, especially when it comes to Charlottesville. He's unhinged. It's embarrassing. I don't mean for us, the media, because he went after us, but for the country. This is who we elected president of the United States. A man who is so petty that he has to go after people who he deems to be his enemy like an imaginary friend of a six-year-old. His speech was without thought. It was without reason. It was devoid of facts. It was devoid of wisdom. There was no gravitas. There was no sanity there. He was like a child blaming a sibling on something else. He did it. I didn't do it. He certainly opened up the race wound from Charlottesville. A man clearly wounded by the rational people who are abandoning him in droves, meaning those business people, and the people in Washington now who are questioning his fitness for office and whether he is stable.
3: John, listen. I mean, th- this was a this was this was a Castro-esque speech in length. It was an astounding chain of lies tied together by lunatic asides. By a man who obviously is mentally unstable. I mean, I'm not joking about it or being a smart ass. This
2: is a man who is not well. This is a man who is not qualified or mentally or morally fit to be the president of the United States. And she said the only possible, and this is on Twitter, the only possible defensible explanation for Trump's disgusting, unpresidential, mm-hmm. narcissistic behavior would be early onset dementia. Mm-hmm. Maybe? He is. Has he shown that he's fit for office? No. Especially in this moment?
4: Absolutely not, Don, but to Bukhari's point, this is something that, frankly, the majority of Americans who did not vote for this man understood just how unfit he was to be the occupant of the Oval Office,
1: but that he might be psychotically demented and ill, you know, uh, of the mind.
5: And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcasts. And that intro's your primer for this podcast. It's the 23rd of August, year of our Lord, 2017, and now everything, including Mount Rushmore, needs to be chiseled down. While the media, as you heard that montage, started by Seltzer and then going through almost every cast member on CNN now says the president is mentally unstable. I thought we already went through this rotation right before the election, but we're back in there again. So uh, the liberal media, who is the uh, opposition party, uh, in my book, is now uh, going all in with everything you could possibly think of, like the solar eclipse, before we get into the stupid... Hope you all enjoyed your solar Eclipse. I had a great event. Mixed group. Probably 75% minority. Everybody got along. There was no politics, but as we'll see, the left can't leave it alone. They just can't leave anything alone. But there were some bad things that happened, like 300,000 Atlantic salmon got loose in Washington. It's the first time you'll ever hear Washington State say, Hey, dude, go fishing, (laughs) because it's going to destroy the ecosystem. But it was a fish farm, something to do with the eclipse, not specified in the article. Wyoming had major traffic problems because everybody wanted to take a picture with the Wyoming sign. Seriously. Going back to Colorado. Oregon was the same way. There were some meltdowns, but I think across the board, everybody saw that it, you know, our EMS systems work and preparedness and cities had it together. I know where I live, there was like an extra, they say 200,000 people, but I didn't even notice it. It wasn't that bad. I rolled back from vacation on uh Sunday morning, rolled right through every city I got home a half an hour earlier. So that is a good thing. America enjoyed a a historic eclipse, but the media, well, it's from WAPO. American blackout. A tour of the solar eclipse path reveals a nation that fought to maintain a different sort of totality. Not gonna read all this, but this is like the fifth article I've seen. A total eclipse, the moon shadow seven, blah blah how fast it'll go. Presumably, it's not explained by the implicit bias of the solar system. It is a matter of population density, and more specifically, geographic variation and population density by race, for which the sun and the moon cannot be held responsible. Still, an eclipse chaser is always tempted to believe that the skies are relaying a message. and a moment of deep disagreement about the nation's best path forward, here comes a giant round shadow drawing a line either to cut the country in two or to unite it in one. Ancient people, blah, blah, blah. Let's just get to the meat and potatoes. Oregon, where this began, is almost entirely white. They say 10% is not. They go to say that they've done nothing. And those liberals out there in Oregon, who are about as moonbat as you can get, are somehow implicitly racist. It then goes through to Wyoming and Nebraska and Kansas and Missouri. But the Missouri Compromise was peeled by the Kansas-Nebracta Act, whose territories decided for themselves whether to have slavery. A few years later, Dred Scott versus Sanford, the Supreme Court, would declare the Missouri Compromise to have been an unconstitutional attempt by Congress to intrude on states' rights. A few years after that, the Civil War would begin. The total eclipse would be visible from Lincoln, Nebraska, and state capital, which reports a black population of only 3.8%. They say most of those in Iowa are in prison because 40% of the prison population is black, and that's racist too. They go into Missouri, they talk about Ferguson, Kentucky and Tennessee, and eventually South Carolina. The clips will finally pass over black America. Even here, though, the path of totality seems to mark the legacy of slavery. Yeah, slavery. Tennessee was practically the epicenter of the Civil War. Much of Nashville is on the battlefield where Confederate forces fought and lost. About 600,000 people live in Nashville area, and about 30% of its population is black. Nashville is the largest U.S. city in the path of the eclipse, and they have already released an eclipse playlist starting off with Bill Withers' Ain't No Sunshine. In the past 12 or 13 minutes of the eclipse have probably passed over more black Americans than it does throughout all... It's early journey. They dog Georgia. They dog South Carolina. And they close. But perhaps the strange path of the eclipse suggests a need for reorganization. We have figured out more or less how to count every person. We have not yet found a political system in which every person counts equally. This summed up... I always say theses. This would be the perfect theses... For there are a lot of moon bats in the media, cause not only do they dog and whine about the electoral college in this, they resurfaced every wound our country's ever done, and they imply that we are still pushing black people away from the eclipse. Yeah, that's exactly what the universe did, you fucking moon bats. Bo Williaman. Covered him numerous times. Hey, climate change deniers, the scientific community that predicted the solar eclipse, is the same one that say climate change is real. He dogs Trump. Neil deGrasse Tyson, the divided United States of America, will unite today, sharing a cosmic event predicted by the methods and tools of science. Mm. Yeah, science. And then he too went into some stupid. And Navarro, guys, I'm having a really hard time caring about the clips today. Too worried about the broken state of our nation. And President Loco. Yeah. So while I was in a group event, about 200 people, predominantly minority, enjoying the actual phases of this where the temperature decreased, Crickets came out, birds stopped flying. It was magical. Liberals once again have to fucking ruin everything. Just fucking every holiday. Now the eclipse is racist. Sweet God. And you wonder why you lost a thousand seats. You wonder why you lost a thousand seats. We'll close today how you're saying white people somehow have now white people feel like they're getting screwed over because they're white when you write articles like this of course white people go okay what the fuck over when you have president a you white people are bad and by the way christians you do the crusades of course you're going to get some nutbags nutbags are going to come out your whole politics is america's bad white people should die what the fuck over what do you expect Expect a big kumbaya moment while you're telling me I'm a piece of shit? Okay, we'll get to that someday, maybe. Probably not. You fucking idiots. Let's close the loop on, yeah, the antiphon stupid.
4: Paula, Dan, good morning. The free speech rally demonstrators were totally outnumbered by counter-protesters. But the police commissioner tells me his department was ready for this. People who showed up to counter-protest were passionate, few were rowdy, but similar scenes played out across the country.
6: Across the country, tensions running high as protesters and police swarmed the streets.
0: Tonight's rally protest has concluded. At this time, you are being asked to leave.
2: But let's begin this morning with the protest held on Saturday in cities across the country. There were some arrests, but they were largely peaceful and a far cry from what we saw last weekend. Morgan Radford was in the middle of the biggest rally in Boston on Saturday. Morgan, good morning.
1: Willie, good morning. Protests erupting from coast to coast. This is really what you would call the calm after the storm. The largest protest was here in Boston, where more than 40,000 people took to the streets, far more than authorities expected. Protests breaking out across the country. Police fending off protesters in Boston. No. Skirmishes at a Confederate rally in Hot Springs, Arkansas, oh a march for diversity in Venice, California, and solidarity marchers flooding the streets of Dallas. All a heated debate over the difference between free speech and hate speech.
7: Welcome back. I'm joined now by two gentlemen with very different views on how to respond to white supremacists when they take to the streets. Mark Bray is a Dartmouth professor who has studied the Antifa anti-fascist movement. Antifa is a far-left political movement that argues it's necessary to confront hate groups, sometimes with force. Professor Bray is author of the new book Antifa, the Anti-Fascist Handbook. And Richard Cohen is the president of the Southern Poverty Law Center as an expert in hate groups, and he says direct confrontation simply leads to more of the kind of violence we saw in Charlottesville. Gentlemen, welcome to you both. I'm Thank going to you. try to have this sort of debate-y, so uh, Mark Bray, I'll start with you. You seem to be a very small minority here who is defending the idea of violence, considering that somebody died in Charlottesville. Why do you defend confronting in a violent way?
8: Well, first, I would contest the notion that I'm that small of a minority. I think that a lot of people recognize that when pushed, self-defense is a legitimate response to white supremacy and neo-Nazi violence. And, you know, we've tried ignoring neo-Nazis in the past. We've seen how that turned out in the 20s and 30s. And the lesson of history is you need to take it with the utmost seriousness before it's too late. We've seen the millions of deaths that have come from not taking it seriously enough. And we can see that really the way that white supremacy grows, the way that neo-Nazism grows is by becoming legitimate, becoming established, becoming everyday, family-friendly, wear khakis instead of hoods. And the way to stop that is what people did in Boston, what people did in Charlottesville. Pull the emergency brake and say, you can't make this normal. Richard, why why do you believe this is a mistake? I think it's a spectacularly bad idea
9: to give one group of people the right to silence another group of people. Uh, It's contrary to our values embodied in the First Amendment. Uh, it's likely to drive the people who are trying to censor underground where they may resort to illegal means to express themselves like bombs and lastly it's likely to lead to a terrible spiral we saw that in berkeley the antifa came and shut down uh, a speech the next time uh, the white nationalists brought their own private army Mm -hmm. and so you know where does something like that stop yesterday in boston you know when we saw thousands and thousands of people peacefully protest, that seemed like a much stronger answer to white supremacy than than clubs and guns.
7: Andy Young made the point, Mark, early in the show, Mm -hmm. that essentially there there were those in the civil rights movement that wanted to confront violently, and he made the not so subtle reminder, they're not here anymore.
8: Well, there's a big difference between confronting fascism and confronting other forms. Uh, of, of violence, so we can see that during the 30s and 40s, there was no public opinion to be leveraged by nonviolent resistance. If you get fascists to be powerful enough in government, they're simply not going to listen to the kind of public opinion that nonviolence can generate. That's the argument for resistance to Nazis. And the other point that I'll make is that. A lot of people don't have the choice whether they can defend themselves or not. We've seen that even before this sort of, as you call it, spiral of violence started, there were attacks on mosques, there were attacks on synagogues. A lot of people are under attack, and sometimes they need to be able to defend themselves. It's, not, you know, it's a privileged position to be able to say that you never have to defend yourself from these kinds of monsters. You know, it's not an issue of defending yourself. Uh, It's an
9: issue of trying to silence other people. No one is saying that, you know, if you're slugged in the face, that you have to sit there and take it. The question here is when white nationalists want to walk down the street, should people stop them? And that's a very different issue. It's a very peculiar notion of self-defense to say you can censor people.
7: Some of the criticism of the Antifa movement, Mark, is that you're actually against speech, that you want to shut down
8: this speech, and that borders on censorship. Well, let's be clear that Antifa are not calling on the government to censor anyone. In fact, that they, they resist the notion of turning to the government or turning to the police, who we've seen have been uh, infiltrated by white supremacists, who have been sympathetic to the court sort of return-to-law-and-order notion of fascism. And so the idea is... The real enemies of free speech are fascists. We've seen that historically. We've seen that they're the ones that, if they have their way, will shut down speech. And it also differs in the sense that anti-fascists see this as a political struggle. They don't see fascism as a difference of opinion or as, as kind of a different perspective to consider. Instead, they see fascists as the enemy. And I think that we need to come around to that notion, considering that there is no doubt what they've done historically. Richard, I know the concern is that it makes martyrs out of the white supremacists. Yeah. And it
7: makes it, I mean, look. Look, it drove the, one could argue that the Antifa movement helped the president make his arguments of, quote, both sides.
9: Sure, sure, sure. Do you buy that? Well, look, to some degree, there was a lot of ugliness that the Antifa brought there. And, you know, I I think they play into the hands of the white nationalists who say, look, we're the ones who are embattled. The answer to bad speech is more speech. We saw it in Boston yesterday.
8: Well, we've seen that fail historically. I mean, fascism cannot be defeated through speech. And we can also see that, you know, Charlottesville did give attention to white supremacy, but it's not as if your average American can name any of the groups that were out there. Instead, we can see that they were unable to do the things that we see make movements grow, embed themselves in communities, establish networks, express their message. Instead, we see, and I can tell you from my book, from my research, there's a lot of empirical examples historically of anti-fascism working and stopping these groups from growing.
7: Alright, Mark Bray, Richard Cohen, I gotta leave it there. I have imagined though the debate. <laughs> Uh, doesn't stop here. Thank you both for coming you, on. I
3: appreciate it. This man is lethally ignorant, incapable of even having a kindergarten's comprehension of the history of race. And for those who say, look, the Confederacy is about history and heritage, it is. The history and heritage of racism. Mm-hmm. The history and heritage of bigotry. Building their sense of biological and, in in many cases, theological and national identity upon a lie. A mythology of white supremacy. the The belief that some people are inherently superior and some people are inherently inferior for the president then to defend uh, the actions against taking down robert e lee or stonewall jackson and and remember these people hated america enough to want to secede from it the people that we claim black lives matter the antifa movement and so on are interested in preserving the fabric of america mr miller says again that there was violence there but the problem is to equate the violence in reaction against bigotry with with the bigotry itself is to misunderstand the fact that when you go to cancer treatment, the radiation is tough treatment, but it is meant to remove the cancer. So what he fails to understand, and what the president especially fails to understand, is that you are complicit with the worst currents of bigotry in this country when you try to draw a false equivalence between uh, secessionists and racists and Confederate defenders and bigots and neo-Nazis and African-American and white. People and others who have defended the right of this nation to really seek a path of healing beyond the consternation we see now that's the problem with this president he ain't got the right moral vision he doesn't have the right words to express that moral vision and he lacks an understanding of American history this is the most illiterate incompetent president in the history of this nation and it shows and it tells on him in the midst of this racial crisis where he is incapable of showing basic decent compassion for those who are vulnerable and who are victims of white supremacy in this country. So you understand what
5: you heard? That was support. ABC saying the urine's okay, not a big deal. And that is the second time Chuck Todd has rolled out an Antifa guy and gave him credibility. It's the second time. The Peacock has recognized a major figure in Antifa, an organization that destroys property Throws urine on people and beats people up just for wearing a mega hat. Yeah. Lot of a justification in the media since our last podcast. CNN actual headline, Antifa seeks peace through violence. And an article online unmasking the leftist Antifa movement, activists seek peace through violence. That one mention of violence in the headline was the only real objective Criticism CNN's Sarah Gannon and Critch Welch had to offer throughout the lengthy piece, interviewing several self-identify Antifa activists. The group's at radical ideologies were downplayed in a sympathetic piece. Activists were given a direct line to explain their goals and beliefs without fear of any criticism from CNN in passages like this. Antifa activists who operate without any centralized leadership told CNN that their goal is peace and inclusivity. They often denounce capitalism and government since Trump entered the world stage and condemned his push to tighten immigration rules and what some view as his tendency towards racism. On social media, many of the arrestees have posted anti-police messages and anarchist views. Some write that they feel disenfranchised in the current political climate, the CNN Review found. They then said we, they're committing violence to eradicate hatred. Somewhere in the piece, CNN made it sound like they're patriots. This is how extreme this group is. CNN gives you a fluff piece that you're awesome. Boston Antifa. Let's get one thing clear. Antifa is an anarcho-communist cause. Those on the left who call us patriots step the fuck away. Yeah, they're, they're good dudes. hmm. By the end, this article was scrubbed. The Patriot references were taken away. Changed the whole headline. Because they called them Patriots and they said they were violent. Because once again, they believe their violence is justified. Chuck Toad has made reference to that. <clears throat> I mean, what do you do when you face hateful people? Anybody else does that to say, like, BLM screaming at me, I've never owned a slave, I'm not a cop. I'm just supposed to be punched in the face and take it because I'm white. Okay. I have plenty of pictures that are really damning. And you can find him yourself, veteran having his sign torn down by two thugs, multiple burning of flags, become ungovernable. This is war is what they were carrying around in their last protest. For the Boston one, racists are not welcome in our city. We support our Muslim neighbors. We support our undocumented neighbors. We support our LGBTQ neighbors. You have been warned. No borders, no nation, just people. This is an antifa zone. Somebody in Boston literally put up, when fascism comes to America, it'll come under the guise of anti-fascism. Huey Long, a Democrat, quoted that. Signs in Boston that literally were ignored by the media. When you date a white, it's not all right. This will not be tolerated. You have been warned emerald city antifa another one hey whites emerald city antifa is watching you if you think you can get hurt with hiring whites dating whites writing whites writing white hate you're dead wrong those are the signs they didn't talk about nazis now the free speech movement said arrive as early well as possible do not antagonize counter protesters do not antagonize police no violence no fighting dress normal live stream film or photograph everything Boston police department will conduct bag searches confiscate items that to be used as a weapon no flag poles shields sticks or any other potential weapon will be allowed any concern regarding these draconian restrictions should be directed to mayor Marty Welch. Antifa put out the same one we had last time the white The white racelet and their he-masters must be purged from the face of the earth. The children of the white racist are the future of the white race. This is where we must begin and end. With Trump and power, it's far too late for conversation of the racist children. Thus, we are left to only one option, to do what must be done. But take heart, after the purge, we will live in a worker's paradise free from racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and oppression. Same one was passed out. Media knows it. Media ignored it. Didn't care. And when they weren't doing that, they were saying, e- everything's racist.
9: Chief Strategist Steve Bannon is one of several people in the president's inner circle with ties to uh, hate groups. Bannon is the former head of Breitbart, which is the pa- in the past, Bannon called a platform for the alt-right. A coalition of major civil rights and faith groups has called for him to be ousted. Separate from the Charlottesville controversy, a source inside the White House tells CNN that Chief of Staff John Kelly has soured on Bannon, who's
3: seen as pursuing his own agenda, according to the source. But, however, I have to go back to this because Jeffrey and I had this discussion earlier uh, in the hour. I don't care if he's a Nazi or a white nationalist. I, I put them kind of all in the same category together. Steve Bannon is a cancer to America, and I have a fundamental problem with someone who is the editor in chief of Breitbart, who gave a platform to that type of racism, bigotry, and xenophobia, being a senior advisor to the president. So if he leaves, I'm going to send him an edible arrangement because he needs to go. Well, <laughs> I you
10: know, agree.
1: So, <laughs> um, no, I agree with you. And uh, you know what 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 Steve Bannon represents is something that I shuddered to think about him receiving taxpayer dollars, working in the White House in that position of power and influence like that. Can we just
2: stop beating around the bush here? And because. Yeah. But Let's just let's just let's just be honest. People who us New Yorkers, we've known who Donald Trump was for a very long time. We've known with the Central Park Five. We've known with the housing discrimination. We've known with him in the pushing the whole birther thing, which was a bunch of bull. We've known that. We know now why he's so upset. For those of you who didn't know, so obsessed with Barack Obama. Barack Obama was a black president. Maybe he didn't think that Barack Obama was fit to be in office. He, he traded on racial animus and racial BS, and he's been doing it for decades. And we're going to sit here and pretend that we're surprised? Why are not people talking about his, and, and Carl Bernstein, who's been on CNN for months, talking about his fitness for office and what's going on in his head? What, how can anyone defend what the president said yesterday it is indefensible i can't believe people get up here on cnn and on other networks and defend actually try to defend especially african-americans and jewish people to try to defend what donald trump said yesterday there is no defense for what he said yesterday what he said yesterday was disgusting it was un-american and anyone who is an american who believes in this country should be speaking out against this person and saying that it is wrong for him to do this and anyone who is is—let me be plainly clear anyone who is in that white house and who is supporting him is complicit in their racism as well
11: and lastly just want to get your take on that press conference that Donald Trump had as a lifelong Republican. What were your uh, what was your reaction to his press conference?
6: Joy, you know, I've said in the past that my party, my Republican Party has racists all over it. Um, ever since Nixon's southern strategy when we invited all those hard case Democrats of which one was my grandmother in South Carolina into the ranks of the Republican Party we've had that element to deal with and now we're seeing what dealing with that element over the last 30-40 years has done to the Republican Party now it is responsible in many ways for Donald Trump and yet it doesn't know how to possess him or to disown him it's stuck with him and it's going to deal with that and I'm afraid that at the end of that time we may see this party having committed suicide.
11: Wow. Uh, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, who minces no words, uh, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time.
6: What came next may have matched the horror itself. For two days, the president of our country not only refused to condemn this rising up of America's ancient evil by name, but dared by his strategic silence to side with it. It's the same man who built his national following on his original sin of charging the country's first African-American president with being foreign-born, therefore, in his telling, not constitutional. Well, rather than hold them responsible, Trump instead blamed many sides, drawing a moral equivalency between the right supremacists and the counter-protesters demonstrating against them. Silence on Saturday was disgraceful, I
3: thought. I mean, that's not what, a, you know, you want to hear from the president of the United States, you want to hear uh, the president come out forcefully uh, in defense of American values, in, in defense of, of the better angels of our nature, in, the, in, in defense of what we aspire to be. Uh, and uh, this nonsense about many sides was, uh, you know, a, a, a sop to the, uh, to the right wing, alt-right, um, white supremacists who who formed, you know, part of his support base. I mean, let's be honest. They they supported him. They've been cheering him on in their march. They
2: after his remarks um, applauded the remark. Well this is the equivalent to Woodrow Wilson's show on Birth of the Nation in the White House. Uh he's pandering to a a the the yeah. Lore uh denomination of this nation is not the values that we should hold. If this is what it means to make America great again, it's the nineteen fifty versions of it. Uh and we was not great during that time. Uh, We have to decide, are we going to be an America that's looking forward, that's inclusive? And I call on his colleagues, his Republican Party colleagues, to denounce his actions. Uh, This is something that has been taking place for a while. We started with dog whistle politics. Now we we are open and notorious with supporting individuals who espouse uh, white supremacist notions. Uh, It should not be accepted in this America.
6: Yeah, you're so right about Birth of a Nation. I just saw a documentary on it the other night, and it's about a you know this guy Griffith D.W. Griffith puts out a movie that glorifies the Ku Klux Klan, makes them the heroes of our time, and it goes out across the country, and people, white people, all go see it and cheer it. This is 1915. I didn't realize that Wilson had had the thing played in the White House, yes. but it was. Hard. So basically, what we've gone to now
5: is that everybody's racist. Every supporter of Trump's racist, every white person's racist, everything's racist. I mean, everything. Every statue, every forefather, every TV, the solar fucking eclipse, I mean, everything's racist. Which, once again, leads me to what I always say, if everything's racist, what the fuck is racist, folks? And I hate to go to a Brit, but Mark Stein pretty much summed up why the politics have taken over. Because the Democrats need this to get their base going. So their plan, with the media's assistance, is just to say everybody's a fucking racist. If you support Trump, you're a racist. If you vote Republican, you're a racist. If you are a Republican, you're a racist. We're going identity politics
3: 2.0. The left is making an organized attempt to say that if you do not vote Democrat... Uh, that you're, you're a Nazi. That's the point of this. An explicit thing, to actually tie policy differences on rather boring things like taxes and immigration uh, to the most crude form of demagoguery. That's what we've just seen this last week. They don't actually care what Trump thinks about some statue. They don't think about whether there's any actual real connection between guys calling for Jews to be in ovens and mm-hmm. Trump. They want to say, if you vote for Trump, you're a Nazi, so we can't talk with you. All we can do is smash up your your rally. So CNN
5: and MSDNC has brought on every race bear they can find. And every night, each commentator is looking into the camera. Shame. 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 All night long. So what are the sheep doing? Chaos breaks out at Charlottesville City Council meeting. City council members kicked the frickin' mayor out, let people go for four hours, but how fucked up everything is, how the response was horrible, everybody's fucking raceless. Then in Baltimore, a two hundred-year-old monument was crushed with sledgehammers, put online. Everything's okie dokie. They're not getting chased down, even though they put the fucking <laughs> they put it online. And somehow, some way nobody can find them now, even though they showed themselves sledging. A Columbus statue, because now Columbus is racist. I what? I don't know. We got another one in news social media nuggets. Uh, a whole city's not even going to use. Uh, college isn't using that anymore. It's racist. And all the while in the background, some fucking terrorist kills thirteen, injures one hundred and thirty over in Barcelona. You know. You know, 100 percent, you know what the media did.
3: For the most part, and I have to to put this into context, um, the attack in Charlottesville uh, that we saw was just an American version of this same style of attack. And interestingly enough, with the intensity of information that we've had related to the Charlottesville incident over the last five days, it's quite possible that may have precipitated this uh, terrorist groups' of you know desire to gain the limelight and carry
5: out a, a similar attack. But the final point I would make wolf is just is just this note is, is in light of the, the uproar of the last several days five days
3: apart you have uh, white supremacists in Charlottesville use a vehicle to kill and here you have uh, attackers at least following the modus operandi, of uh,
5: terrorists using vehicles uh, apparently to kill as well. And, and that sh- those shared
3: tactics, it uh, that, that should be alarming.
5: Yeah, and there will be questions about copycats. There will be questions if uh, what happened uh, in Barcelona uh, was at all, at all, uh, a copycat version of what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, even though there may be different characters, different political ambitions. Uh, they use the same, uh, the same killing device, a vehicle going at, at high speed into a group, a large group of pedestrians. And as the local police are saying, at least one person is now dead, 32 injured, many of them in critical condition right now. Yes, those terrorists who have used vans, trucks, mopeds to mow people over got their idea from Virginia. Yes, you're right, Wolf Blitzer. You. F- Freaking jackass! And that was our close of loops. Let's go to our tweets. Geraldo Rivera, who's usually a lib, he decided to grab his balls and say, led by Brian Seltzer, the CNN Brain Trust has taken up the banner of the furthest left. Real Donald Trump is not just wrong, he's a mental case. Brian Seltzer, no, Geraldo, I never called Trump a mental case. I asked questions. Here's the transcript. Too bad, by the time it's all said and done, they did say it unequivocally after his rally. So, Brian, you did say it. So now you're the far, far left. And if Geraldo Rivera is calling you the far left, dude, you're freaking way left. I mean, I'm biased. I'm an independent conservative. I, I know you're a fucking piece of shit. People asked, what about Hillary's mental health? She had a fucking aneurysm. Jim Acosta typically did a presidential primetime address, comes with major policy announcement or marks pivotal movement of the country. We didn't get that. They didn't like his Afghanistan rollout. They didn't like his press briefing. They didn't like his frickin' rally. They had the balls to say, why is this a campaign rally, as we'll see in hate tweets, when Obama campaigned for eight years? Nobody give a fuck. But Lori nailed Jim Acosta. Typically, a journalist is not a political hack or propagandist for one or other political party. You're both, which is spot on. Joe Scarborough said, here's a strong word for people doing their jobs, but in no particular order, reporters, judge, and John McCain are heroes. He says, everybody said the same thing I did. Reporters, are you fucking kidding me? They're the number one reason we have Trump in the White House. And you are one of the worst of the lot, Joe. Tony Bruno, living proof of the solar eclipses called caused irreparable brain damage to the journalists. I tweeted back to him. Soldiers slash veterans, first responders, teachers. That's what I said. Those are heroes, not journalists. Alyssa Milano, reminder, Obama killed Bin Laden in Pakistan May second, 2011. The entire world, the Navy's SEALs killed Bin Laden, not Obama. And Prepper Frog said, pretty sure he was golfing that day. He's a Navy SEAL? Don't think so. But our tweet of the day is from Scott Gustafson who tweeted a NASA photo and I am just cracking up. It says, International Space Station eclipse photo bomb via NASA and you can actually see the International Space Station is right in front of the sun during the beginning of the eclipse. And that's pretty damn cool.
12: Hate tweet of the day!
3: To
5: our hate tweets, The Economist, you can agree or disagree with BLM's platform, but nothing in it promotes hatred of any Race or group. They literally said that. Richard Cohn, who heads the SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Center, defines hate groups as those that vilify entire groups of people based on immutable characteristics such as race or ethnicity. BLM does not fit that bill. Oh, are you sure? Dan Wright says, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. What do we do? What do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them? Now. Nope, no hate in that chant. I'm so old that I remember when BLM activists tried to burn a white man alive in Charlotte. Uh, We covered that on the show. Everybody said, at best, this is a disingenuous narrative pushing at worst. It is a disingenuous narrative pushing that is a flat-out lie. In Howard, I won't read it all, but some young ladies in mega-outfits came to do a meeting for conservative women. Twitter, tax, everything went bat shit crazy. And they were trigger- triggered so bad that the administrators had to put this out. A thread. Today there were visitors on our campus who were wearing paraphernalia that showcased their political support. This occurrence and the responses on social media that follow emphasize the need for an importance of human interaction. The recent events in Charlottesville are the latest example of deep divisions within the country. Though this is an institution where freedom of thought, choice, and expression are ever-present, we will never compromise our values or allow others to convince us to do so. We will remain committed to truth and service and boldly affirm who we are and what we stand for. Our campus is a space for educational engagement to occur between both those who do and do not share our values. Thankfully, when the visitors set foot on our campus, they are met with some of the brightest and best students in the nation. Howard students are not simply academic advanced political activists, leaders and mentors, Howard students represent all that is right about America, which means hey, we ran them the fuck off. If that isn't hate for your fellow Americans just cuz they wore a fucking mega hat, I don't know what is. <laughs>
12: Hypocrisy.
5: All right, to our hypocrisy, Brian Seltzer and Jim Acosta decide to mind meld. I think they must have called each other. We will not talk about numbers of troops. Trump says after multiple news outlets already reported four thousand troops. TV anchors immediately knowing that Trump wouldn't disclose the number of digital troops or how long the Afghan Afghan war will continue. Jim Acosta, typically a president's primetime address, comes with major policy elements and repeated the same thing he did for his other one. Then Seltzer said, is the president holding a campaign-style rally or is it just a straight-up campaign rally without style? That's what he said. I keep hearing cable newsers say championing campaign style. I understand why. I've included the same caveat in live shots, but he is campaigning. Then Jim Acosta. Why is the president holding a campaign rally in Phoenix? There is no campaign. Black-pilled Pete. Out. Obama returns to what he does best, campaigning mode. And he actually handed them tweets from Seltzer and Acosta. You guys are fucking hypocrites. The Hill decided, we really need to stir this up to help the left. Survey, 9% call neo-Nazi views acceptable. The problem was, as you dig through the poll, nobody said that. The question was, are they inappropriate? And 9% said, no, it's America, it's free speech. But let's start a race war. Good job, media. That'll work. Pressure mounts for state senator to resign after Trump assassination comment. Bet you didn't hear this. That's why it's an hypocrisy. A Democratic state senator, Maria chappelle Nadel, said that she hoped President Trump was assassinated. Many Missouri politicians, including Republican Governor Eric Greitens, are calling for her removal from the reg- legislature. She literally wrote... And then deleted. I hope Trump is assassinated. By time it's all done, she said, hell no, she ain't apologizing. Then she came out and said she found Jesus or something and apologized. That's a state senator. How is that acceptable? In the age of Trump, do we have any decorum? While you're all talking about how shitty he is, at the Washington's two-step and decorum and principles and processes, you're all out here saying, Oh, be fucking dies. I'd rather have a president fucking up on the stupid of Washington two-step than saying, you need to die just because I disagree with you. Hmm. Simultaneously, the Nets blacked out the indictment of Debbie, Washerman, Schultz, IT guy on bank fraud and other charges. ABC, CBS, and NBC ignored not only the senators saying, I hope Trump dies. They ignored that indictment. They've ignored the whole case. And they ignored New York Times edited out Damian McCullough quotes on Charlottesville. They did an article... His exact quote saying that there were cash-aid weapons in the, the Virginia white nationalist racist Nazi march, rally, whatever we're calling it now. The state police and everybody said, bullshit, there wasn't anything, and we never searched for anything. The New York Times went back and scratched it from the record. Literally edited it out of their online page. It's just like their corrections. It's done the darker night. Nobody knows it happens, but it doesn't really matter because now the damage is done. McAuliffe, who wants to run for president. This is Tony's tinfoil hat. McAuliffe, who wants to run for president, let this all happen because he knew they needed something to fire up their base. He could have, he could have enforced the laws and stopped Antifa from bricking Nazis and Nazis for hitting Antifa, but instead, He let it all go to shit in a handbasket so he could say, look at those fucking racists and let people behind him, we rise to supremacy from BLM, take the stage because he needs that demo to win the president. This is all looking too sketchy to me. He made up, there was weapons caches. Are you fucking shitting me? Let a Republican get away with that. Do you think that would ever happen? More hypocrisy. Jake Tapper literally said him in a in a an interview. President Obama said things that weren't true and got away with it. More for the for a variety of reasons, and one is the media was much more supportive of him. In a Rolling Stones article, he then went on to say that uh, he's now become a lefty hero by just doing his job. He thinks. He's done some crazy shit too, but when a reporter says the truth, every once in a while it leaks out that the truth we already know, that yes, yes, Virginia, the media let Obama do anything, yeah. Another thing the media decided to ignore this week was that there was actually a bombing plot against a Confederate monument in Houston that was broken up by the cops. Nobody covered it. CNN, MSDNC, ABC, CBS, NBC, MSDNC. It's like they don't want it to get out that both sides are violent. They want the meme to continue so they can help the Democrats or because they hate Trump. I can't tell which one, but I'm leading towards to help the Democrats. But why wasn't that reported? If you're trying to report the news... Why wouldn't that be reported? Oh, I know, because WAPO writer actually argues against conservative free speech rights. Jennifer Delton, arduous piece when free speech becomes a political weapon, in a nutshell, attacked the right and alt-right for using free speech as a weapon to advance their unwelcome ideologies, which she says subvert our democracy. In the ensuing jumbling argument, she advances, she defines free speech as something it is not, and makes unsubstantiated claims that the right is trying to undermine democracy so their rights should no longer be protected. Delton started off by fretting that universities are now in a bind because the right has taken the concept of free speech hostage. OK? <laughs> no, I don't know what world that she lives in. She claimed the right has malicious intentions for hosting conservative speakers because they're trying to bait liberal institutions by weaponizing the concept of free speech. Here's the dilemma college presidents face in the fall. Either uphold free speech on campus and risk violent counter-protest or ban conservative provocateurs and confirm the freedom of speech crisis on campuses. Either way, their institution... Legitimacy is undermined. This impossible dilemma is no accident. It has been part of a strategy deployed first by conservatives and perfected by the alt-right. The second thing we know about the alt-right is that its provocateurs seek to bait liberal institutions by weaponizing the concept of free speech. Delta then claims that college presidents need to figure out whether the First Amendment protects conservative rights. ...to free speech because it creates political spectacle and instigates violence. This article that goes on for a very long time, my friends, sums up why for an entire year when an Antifa member beat the fuck out of a mega supporter, the media would blame Trump. and their world, we have no right to free speech... If you do not embrace the religion, the cult of progressivism, which means there is no gender, there is no border, there are no babies, because you all abort them, you don't have free speech. It is the ultimate level of stifling opposition in the country. There will be no dissent. And I once again, as we go through all this crazy shit, who's the fascist now? Who's the fascist? Even if Trump wanted to be a fascist, the checks and balances in our system don't allow him to do it. You just applied it, liberals. A simple travel restriction, which Obama did and you had no problem with, took six months to get done. You asserted the Constitution to do it, but you did it anyway. And the worst part about this article is if the left isn't violent, why do their protesters always get violent? Why would you be telling institutions, fuck it, they're just doing it to start violence? You're admitting that your side is the violent side. I have yet to hear, see, on YouTube... On Twitter, any right-leaning people beating somebody up because they were wearing a Hillary hat. I could show you hundreds for mega hats. I have yet to see a single protest go to fucking shit over a conservative Nazi piece of fucking shit or whatever you classify. Everybody who goes to a free speech rally now is now a Nazi after Virginia. Them instigating it. I mean, I'm going to play a video here of an old lady literally getting drug because some Antifa guy tried to whip her flag. Because remember, the flag's racist to the resistance now. It's racist, the American flag. Who's the fascist? Think about it. We'll have a test at the end. Stats of the day without a bumper. Fox won another week. Just want to make sure we keep it straight, because all you're going to hear is MSNBC is awesome. Eh, it's not true. Seven dead, 42 wounded in a weekend in Chicago. Oh, I'm racist. I said Chicago. That poll I spoke of last time, uh Marist poll conducted this week, found that 60% of respondents aged to 29 think monuments 18 to 29. I think I said eight. Probably aren't... Polling eight-year-olds um, <clears throat> remain as historical symbols. It was a survey of 1,125 American adults conducted by Marist Poll. Only place that went out: PBS Newshour put this out. Found that 60% said they don't give a fuck, don't care. On coverage, three, three big three networks. Could not get enough of Trump's fiery and furious tirade when he went and said that inappropriate statement that there were good people down there, but everything around that one statement was correct. And their evening news broadcasts later that day were commanded by the coverage, minus the commercials and teasers, the total airtime network set aside for all their news coverage combined was 58 minutes. 38 seconds. Of that, They spent 45 minutes and 31 seconds on Trump's wild press conference. The coverage is completely persuasive on CBS, where they dedicated 21 minutes and 13 seconds out of 30 minutes. NBC was a distant second with 18 minutes, 49 seconds on that uh, press conference alone. I almost said podcast. Podcast. Uh, Maybe you should just do a podcast. So you don't think I'm full of shit? The people's comrade. Do it better with other people's money. The people's comrade. An Antifa group. A committee with a K is being assembled to plan for the corrections to this odious Edifice. They want to put Marx, Lenin, Che, and, of course, Obama on Mount Rushmore. So I actually didn't make that up. People are really going after Mount Rushmore. Fucking unbelievable. To the very statue of Lee and Stonewall Jackson, the now Baltimore, I believe, ripped off in the middle of the night, those were dedicated by Mayor Tom D'Alsandro... Who was Nancy Pelosi's dad? He dedicated Lee and Stonewall Jackson and Baltimore Mayor D. Alessandro, who was Pelosi's father. Townhall.com is the only one that had the temerity to ask if these things were so horrible and the ones in the Capitol are so odious. Why didn't she take him down when she was Speaker of the House? Kind of goes back to the dress code that the media went crazy about. Nancy Pelosi was bashing Paul Ryan, who's been the Speaker of the House for like a fucking year. She was Speaker of the House forever. None of this mattered until you can use it for political capital. Remember, boys and girls, the left's mantra. Never let a crisis go to waste. And last but not least, before we go into our segment one, which is about OS, Objective Sexuality. I saw a freaking documentary on vacation, and I had to cover this just to get off politics for a day. Wait till the shit you hear on this. I also am watching Wahlbergers. Don't judge me. It's the only reality show I watch. But I have a Mark Wahlberg thing. A little bro crush on Mark Wahlberg. I think he's a great dude. He's done a lot for soldiers. Um, I, I got to love actors that go outside the norm and support soldiers. Because most of them don't give a fuck if they live Diagram Mushrooms in the crack. And I was glad to see that he is the highest paid actor in 2017. He made $68 million so far. And I think he deserves every penny. And I hope the fuck I get a Wahlburgers in Nashville someday because those burgers look bitchin so to a music break and segment one and only one segment today which is OS you're going to hear a sound bike to get you primed for this a woman rides the Eiffel Tower yeah and that's sexual too boys and girls
12: here we are and I can't think from all the pills, hey. Start the car and take me home. Here we are, and y'all too drunk to hear what I say. Start the car and take me home. Just tonight! I can It's all because of me Just tonight
1: Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony
10: Reid.
13: This time she's determined to consummate their marriage at last.
11: This is where I was
12: I'm
11: shaking.
13: It's a challenge to be truly intimate with a public structure. But where there's a will, there's a way.
11: here I always feel that there's some distance
12: some barrier
11: between her and I but now that barrier is gone I mean I'm one with her I'm connected to her I mean there's there's nothing between us right now I, I never. I never imagined this day, whatever, whatever happened, but the heat of my body is flowing into her cold steel, the cold of her steel is flowing into my body, and we are reaching equilibrium, where we both are the same temperature. Is it it not unpleasant that she's so cold? It's actually quite pleasant that she's cold because I, I can feel the exchange of temperature between us which is an exchange of energy and that energy is its very spiritual. And do
14: you feel that she loves you back? Oh
11: gosh, yes.
12: <laughs>
11: she definitely loves me back. I can feel, I can feel that. I can feel her right now. I, and I don't care if people don't believe that I can communicate with her. It doesn't matter to me. really, the only parties involved are her and myself in this relationship. So people call me cuckoo, I don't care. What we have is real. And if if it's only real to me, and it's only real to her, it's, it's fine.
5: Yes, that is what you heard, boys and girls. A woman humping the Eiffel Tower. And her name is Erica Eiffel. And if you go to your Netflix flicks, it's called Enema or Enema Enema, I believe was the actual show and it's about these OS people. And you go to a website because there's very little on this, and they can't even define it. What is OS? There's little known about OS other than the data our community has gathered from our personal age with objects and from a small number of professional interests of topic. So, we are not claiming to have solid clinical basis, only the practical knowledge gained from each other in recent studies. We welcome and currently seek professional input because we fucking need it. Objectual sexuality is an orientation to love objects. Sexual orientation is defined as the nature of sexual preferences, while the prolific definition stands and they talk about people, they're saying that's bullshit. It can be towards object. What is the natural feeling of OS? Just the mainstream are attracted to certain types of people. Physical, intellectual, objective sexuals develop strong feelings towards objects possessing, in particular, certain geometry and function. Often this attraction is regarded as an obsession to a degree that provokes criticism. Yeah. You fucking married the Eiffel Tower. This woman married it. And then fucked it. Yeah. You, you, you're, you're okay. You're doing that Howard Smalley shit every day from SNL. I'm okay and dug on it. People like me as I hump the Eiffel Tower. What makes OS different from other obsessions? Truly, there is not much difference. Love is a feeling that preoccupies one's thoughts. No, 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 no. I like my Jeep Wrangler. I don't fuck the tailpipe. Although my wife questions a dark when she can't see me. Maybe I do. Maybe I do. But no, I don't. I just like my Jeep. It's a gorgeous Jeep. I like my bass boat. I'm not in love with it. I don't hump the propeller. I'm assuming that would really hurt but I don't do that how can someone love an in, in an inanimate object indeed the meaning of love comes in question however there's no single definition because the feeling has many levels and crosses every aspect of the spectrum virtually everyone and everything can be loved duh love does not have any rules don't you rule me and box me in baby How can one love a public object? We do not all love public objects, but certainly the ones who do, they may face complications similar to people in long-distance relationships. How does one communicate with an object? One must learn a structure of language to speak fluently with the others. I'm not making this shit up, right? This is a real thing. Communication comes in many forms beside verbal. Many commune with the object via Sensations. However, this does not imply that we can converse with all objects. People communicate better with some people, and less or none with others, just as we do with our objects. Here's the big question. Intimacy, sex, and the O.S. As a matter of course, this is a topic that rouses the most curiosity. The issue of sex with objects stirs a certain inquisitiveness in people that often leads to censure. No, we just think you're fucking freaks. Well, I don't know. Okay, are you just jerking off on the Eiffel Tower? I mean, is that's what you're doing? I think that's called indecent exposure. But, okay. Um, and to ask whether we do it is like whether all couples in love are intimate most often often the answer is yet but yes but in some cases as with any loving relationship sex is not always present okay it should be noted that the term sexuality in OS does not imply physical act of sex what is the difference between OS intimacy and masturbation clearly one of the most irritating questions we entertain when a person gets a mental image of us in the act with an object Naturally, it would seem there is no difference between the questions being posed by one who does not love the object. OS intimacy is not instrumental manipulation of self-pleasure. In the case of a person utilizing some object in the matter, the object is none other than a means to an end. To an OS person, our intimate focus is on the object we love. So shoving the Eiffel Tower up your gooch, that's love, baby. Is OS a fetish? No. Bullshit. Are there factors that cause one to be? Of course. We all have asked the question why? But currently no definitive answer can be found. Asperger syndrome and OS. As we grow as a community, we have internally discovered a growing percentage of people with Asperger syndrome, a spectrum of autism. Sexual trauma, yes. Gender dysphoria, yes. Synthesis. One of the most denomi- most recent denominators that has been discovered through the generous work of study of Dr. Amy Marsh is that many OS people have cross sensory perception, where additional senses respond to one sensation as seeing color in words or tasting when hearing certain sounds. Oh, really? Okay. Animism. There it is. That was the word I was trying to say. An- I- A-N-I-M-I-S-M. Animism. That is correct. This did a spelling bee, but that's the that's the show on Netflix. While animism is not a condition, it is the most common reason objective sexual people with no notable psychological condition have for loving and connecting to objects on a significant level. The innate belief that objects are not inanimate, which possesses a spirit, soul, or energy to which one can connect with. Uh, why do OS people love landmarks? Only a small number do, but maybe it's because it's a landmark was their answer, which is pretty fucked up. Do all us people love more than one objects? Indeed, polyamorous relationships exist. Which takes us into our next soundbite. Erica Eiffel married and fucked the Eiffel Tower. Then she married and fucked, without getting a moment, mind you, the fucking Berlin Wall. And at the end of it, and I can't find any documentation, I believe she literally fell in love with a fucking crane. Most
15: of us think we know what love is. However, there is a small group of less than 200 people worldwide who feel genuine love for inanimate objects. They are known as objectum sexuals. Erica Eiffel is one of the few brave enough to publicly out themselves as being OS. She spoke to us from her home in Berlin. What was the first object you can remember falling in love with?
11: The first object I ever loved was a bridge in my hometown. A very lovely bridge uh, on the Sandy River. And I really didn't even think it was unusual, really, until I was a teenager. That's when the boys and girls at school started really dating, and, you know, I kind of saw that, well, okay, I'm more interested in this bridge, and they're more interested in each other. This is maybe uh, a little different. I didn't quite realize it was love until the bridge was destroyed in a flood. I mean, I was emotionally distraught. I mean, it's like, you know, you lost a, a best friend, and this bridge was a, a true friend to me, and... and That's kind of the way I saw it. I saw the the life of the object as valuable as that of, you know, a, a, a person, a friend.
15: Over time, Erica's bond with objects has grown to include fences, iron structures, and even her archery bow, which she named Lance. Her current loves are more famous. They include the Berlin Wall and the Eiffel Tower. In 2008, Erica confirmed her commitment to objects and to being an OS person in a small ceremony Marrying the Tower. When you had your commitment ceremony, what were people's reactions? Did you have guests?
11: Yeah, I had, I had several people there at my commitment ceremony, and they were very happy for me because they saw that I was legitimately happy. So from happiness breeds more happiness.
15: How can you be in a relationship that's something that can't return your feelings?
11: Well, see, that's exactly it. You're implying that what I need out of a relationship is the same as what everyone else needs. Um, You're implying that I need my object to talk to me, that I need my object to show emotion, that I need my object to wrap his arms around me, those kind of things. But actually, that's not what I look for in a relationship with my other half. What I get out of this relationship is uh, much more to me. I mean, my objects have really propelled me to find and reach higher levels um, I've become a three-time world champion, broke numerous records. Uh, it's propelled me in all directions of my life, including work. I think that uh, people need to look at our relationships a little bit more serious and not so much that it's just like a sexual connection, because it's, it's not about that. In fact, many people in the OS community are not sexual, and certainly not sexual by the same standards that uh, you know humans apply. But I'm not exactly going to tell people how I do it, because... If I share my intimacy with the entire world I basically lessen the value.
15: Feel free to decline question. Did you lose your virginity with an object?
11: Have I lost my <laughs> I want to answer the question but I don't want it to I don't want to just give this debase answer, you know. Um, I have intimate relationships with my object loves. Yes. Um, if that's considered losing virginity, then yes, I've lost my virginity <laughs> to an object.
15: <laughs> How do you um, uh, communicate?
11: To me, communication has a lot to do with like a like a feeling of energy transfer. It's like, uh, for example, I'll put it really simple. If you walk up to a cold concrete wall and put your warm hand on the wall, you're going to feel the heat being drawn from your body and you're going to feel the cold from the concrete coming into yours as you establish an equilibrium. And to me, these exchanges of energy are actually you know, really important. I kind of pick up vibrations and stuff.
15: Do you think it might be some type of mental disorder?
11: You know what? I can't say yes or no. I mean... Uh, as far as, you know, when you say disorder, that implies some negative connotation there. If it was a mental disorder, I don't think that I would have done the things I've done in my life. I guess
15: what I'm getting at is how do you know that you're not simply projecting onto an object?
11: Oh, clearly, because I think if I could just project feelings into objects, then I think everyone would be doing it. If it was that easy... Everyone would be making these idealistic relationships. I'm not just a freak of nature. There are others like me. And and this became my quest after this to go around and meet all the members in the OS community. I, lo- I used up my entire life savings doing this to meet everyone. How does
15: being OS affect your relationships with other people?
11: It, you know, surprisingly, when I came out, my friends were like, finally... We knew already that you were this way. We didn't have a name to call it, but we knew you were already. We're really glad to see that you're identifying and stepping out. So it's actually made my friendships better. Only one friend walked away and said, no, can't do this. It's just a little bit too, you know, on the fringe for me.
16: This was the night of the big breakout.
15: Checkpoints across Berlin had finally buckled. For Erica, one of her more contentious loves is the Berlin Wall, an object with which she has a deep affinity. Despite this, she grappled with her feelings because of what the wall once represented.
11: I just kept trying to push this aside, um, but I couldn't. And I just have to tell people, you know, it's not the purpose of the wall. is not the politics. It's the suffering, you know, that the wall went through. If you look at it strictly that way, the wall was misplaced in the world. Everyone hated this wall and could not accept its existence. Well, I felt that way in my life, being an OS person misplaced in a community, a society of people who are all in love with each other. For me, I couldn't stop those natural feelings. I couldn't stop the way that I felt, just as much as the Berlin Wall couldn't grow legs and walk away from the city of Berlin and let the people reunite. This is such a 180 from what I'm used to. I'm used to being ashamed of what I am. And I, I shouldn't be, because A, I'm not hurting anyone by loving an object, B I'm not hurting myself by loving an object.
4: Nicole says the only romantic relationships that she's had in her life have been with objects. She's something called an objectum sexual. She literally fell so in love with the Eiffel Tower in Paris that she had a wedding and committed to the tower for life. And, and I understand you have a tattoo? I do. Yeah. In fact, you know, not, you know, a conventional
11: wedding, you would have a ring, but for the Eiffel Tower and I, it's a tattoo on my chest. Oh my gosh. So. You guys see the
4: tattoo on her chest? <laughs> Like in between her (laughs) chest. Okay. Um, This is a representation of... Actually, I'm
11: actually polyamorous, so I love more than one object. Um, The Eiffel Tower... We've had
4: shows here about polyamory. Yeah. (laughs) Where, like, there's a man and a woman, and Mm -hmm. they love, like, a lot of different people, and they have this... It's an open relationship. So you're saying that you have that with your objectum sexuality. Yes, in my case, but it's not speaking for everyone. Okay, so you're married to the Eiffel Tower, but open relationship. Right, this is an open relationship. Okay, and this is a representation of your open relationship in front of us?
11: Yes. What is this? This is actually the Berlin Wall, and while it may seem a little bit like, you know, oh, the Berlin Wall, um, I kind of have a kinship with this object because uh, uh, this is an object I feel was misplaced in the world. Well, this is a replica
4: of the Berlin Wall. This is, this is, yeah. And this is a piece of the Berlin Wall right here? This is an actual piece, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So if I were to touch it, does that, do you, would you be like hands off my man? <laughs> Maybe.
12: Like, for oh real, no, like seriously, yeah. like
4: am I, is that like really like, a, um, um, am I
12: violating? No, actually,
11: because I know that your intentions are not such. Got it. I mean, you're just basically looking at the object for its practical purposes only and nothing beyond that. No.
4: Okay, let's talk about a sex. This is an awkward question for me. Yeah, it's awkward for me as well. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'll try to put it mildly, mildly. So you you, you are attracted to, you're in love with these objects, the Berlin Wall, the piece, the actual real piece of the Berlin Wall, married to the Eiffel Tower. Have you ever had any sexual relation with these objects that you're in love with? Well,
11: I'm not broken, so, (laughs) you know, I mean, I'm completely fully functioning and stuff like that. But when it comes to intimacy, I think intimacy is defined by the partners involved. And I think the term sex is kind of pretty much generic. People get this idea in their head about it. Well, I prefer the term intimacy because then there's a bunch of stuff. Like, what's intimate for me might not be considered intimate for somebody else. So what would be considered intimate to you? Like, for me, touch is very, very important. Touch, and there's also an element of smell and... Can you show me with the Berlin Wall piece? You want me to get down and dirty with the Berlin Wall? Yeah, I would, yes.
4: You <laughs> can pick up the piece um, there and show us like, what would be making love to that piece. Well, okay. Uh, this is. <laughs> oh. oh, so you would do more if we weren't on TV, like if it was private.
11: Actually, what it is, really, it's about this transfer of energy. It's like feeling that this object is kind of like an extension of my own being, like we're becoming one. Okay. And I would say that in human lovemaking, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the puzzle pieces don't fit yes <laughs> so there is that'd be very painful yeah <laughs> Okay.
12: <would be. laughs> right
11: i know the girls are like oh yeah. gosh for me you know i mean there's uh, y- your body's got nerves everywhere yes and um to me it's really about touch and kind of feeling it's okay for example you know we've got good air conditioning here and i'm i'm kind of cold mm-hmm. you know the, the the berlin wall piece is a little bit warmer so when I put my hand on this piece, I can actually feel the transfer of temperature between me and this piece until the point where we reach equilibrium. Wow. And okay. And, so you, and
4: you feel, it can start to feel aroused and then go I further can. if we want. on can television. react that way, yeah. It, you know, time, place, you know, yeah. situation. And now let's talk about the, um, the, the, the Eiffel Tower because the Berlin Wall, we all know, it came down. So there's right. the pieces that people can actually have with them. So right. you can always have this with you. Right. Eiffel Tower... You can't have the Eiffel Tower with you. You can have a tattoo, but right. you can't have the Eiffel Tower with you. So, and it's far. Paris, expensive flights. What about like replicas? Like, I love Vegas. And they have the Eiffel Tower <laughs> yeah, <they do. laughs> hotel, the, the Paris hotel. Mm-hmm. Can you go there and be like, and go into that re- Eiffel Tower restaurant and feel connected? Actually, no, not really. I still Epcot try, to, Center, I still try France, to stay connected with the real Eiffel
11: Tower in Paris, and like you know, I'll get up in the morning, fire up my laptop, and I'll turn on the webcam. There's
4: a webcam a live twenty four hour,
11: yeah. And I'll have, you know. So in the morning would whatever. the one in Vegas
4: be like a like just like a fake? Uh, it's
11: it's just, it's just, yeah, it's it's not it's not the Eiffel Tower. It's just yes. a, a replica of the Eiffel Tower. What
4: about rejection? Could the Eiffel Tower divorce you? Could the
11: Berlin Wall leave you? Technically, there are those feelings. I mean, I've been in relationships with objects where it just, you know, there was no synergy there, and it just didn't happen. So, yeah, I mean. And you've been heartbroken?
4: I have. Because the object has left you.
11: Yeah, I mean, I had an object love with my my, my bow. I'm, I'm on the U.S. national archery team. Oh, like your oh, like bow and arrow. Right. The bow. And we had the most perfect relationship. I mean, I'm a two-time world champion, record holder. Did all this great stuff with my bow. We, we worked together. We played together. Slept together. You know, we had a really we slept fun time. together. How did you sleep with your bow? Besides, I mean, did you sleep with your bow, or did you sleep with your bow? <laughs> 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 well, let's just leave it at a kind of sleep with your bow.
4: Um, I couldn't tell which tone yeah, that was. I'll leave it to
11: that. Okay.
4: <laughs> With us is um sexologist Dr. Amy Marsh. So, Dr. Amy, when I first heard Erica's story, I thought that it was um that she was joking about mm-hmm. she was doing this to get a lot of publicity. I almost didn't want her on the show. And then um my producers were explaining to me that this is something that's real. Can you explain that exactly what objectum sexuality is? It
17: is very real. It's rare, but it's definitely real and it's um, imagine, you know, we all were children once and maybe we had great parents and lots of friends, but we still had a wonderful toy or a blanket or something. We oh, like a blankie, how
4: kids go crazy for their blankie. Yeah.
17: Now, think of those feelings as a grown-up. And if you're wired to respond, to continue to respond to objects, then it will feel very natural to you. And the research I've done into this group uh, really shows that they feel very natural and happy about this. Wow. And it's not for lack of other kinds of human the, relationships.
4: Does it have anything to do with trauma, abuse, sexual abuse, rape, anything like that that no, would make you...
17: not really. No. no. In fact, if it did, we'd have a lot more objectum sexuals because we Got all know it. it's, quite a lot of people have been traumatized. So people are
4: born this way?
17: I think so. We need a little more research to know, yes. but I think it's a question of wiring and orientation, just like heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual. Got it. How
4: many um, objectum sexualists do you know? Um,
11: Personally, I know quite a few. I've actually spent my entire life savings traveling around the world to meet all of the different ones because for
4: them, I'm often the first person they've ever met that, that has it and to speak publicly. Right. I know you, at the break you were talking about that, that you're happy to be here to speak to them. That's what you're that's here exactly. for. Exactly,
11: that's what it's for. I mean, this is not about, I, I mean, I'm a three-time world champion. I won championship in martial arts as well, and I became a celebrity in Japan. It's not about media for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a chance that uh, I could come out and tell my story, reach out to people that, you know, are otherwise sitting at home thinking, wow, you know, going through the same things I went through when I was younger, trying to put up a front or in mm-hmm. the closet not socializing because they don't dare to come out with their orientation. And I have this chance to reach out to them and say, hey, you're not alone. Do you have a website?
4: I do have a website. Okay, well, go to tyrashow.com if you feel any kinship to Erica in these issues with objectum sexuality, and we'll link you to her site. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be
11: What attracts me to the Berlin Wall is that here's an object that has been created to do a purpose that everyone detests feel how hungry you are to be loved with an open heart not with a chisel and hammer
16: Erica Eiffel first had feelings for the wall back in 1985
11: I love you and I will stand by your side
16: her passion grew so strong that in 2008 she moved from the United States to be closer to it Erica doesn't just like the wall she loves it
11: I felt that the Brown Wall was an object that needed love and was hungry for love. And I couldn't help but feel that I was the one to bring this old, scarred icon of communism, love.
16: But how does an objectum sexual have an intimate relationship when their lover is a very public object. Erica's solution is to keep a series of models in her lover's image. She even takes her favorite model to bed.
11: He's sort of like my main model. The one that I kind of use as my extension of the Brown Wall in other words, when I'm with this model, it is more like I feel like I'm with him.
16: This is common practice for objectum sexual, or OS people, who love public objects.
17: They will almost use the object like a muse. They'll take photographs or build models. They'll write, they'll do all kinds of things to celebrate their relationship with the object.
16: When it comes to having sex with her lover, Erica prefers not to go into detail.
11: It is very easy for people to get these images in their head of, okay, woman and ball, how does that work? It just does. And the details are between us. And what is intimate for us might not even be considered intimate for humans.
5: Yeah... <clears throat> that, that, you know, I can only use the Chris Farley lines, man, that's a lot of fucking paint chips underneath the power lines, that's all I'm saying, and then one's a her, then a he, and I, she didn't classify the fucking crane, but they showed her with the blind wall caressing it, loving the wall, um, I thought it was just one lady, but here's two more for your listening pleasure. This lady is Amanda Liberty. Will be the last one, and the 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 SNL skit. Pat sums up this. I don't know if it's a lady or a dude. I don't remember because I was just staring, going, "Is that a lady or a dude?" And my wife's going, "Is that a lady or a dude?" Because I don't know, but she gets her fucking rocks off. On a sickest ride. Not set up, mind you. Not riding it. Just the structure. And this fucking crazy cuckoo for coca buffs, dick bitch, whatever the fuck she is, spent 80 grand to buy this shit and get it re- re- restored so she could marry the motherfucker. Which she did with a guy who used to be an altar boy or an alderman in a Catholic church. But his crazy ass fell in love with his frickin' communion set. And of course the church told him to just DD, get the fuck out. We got enough problems with pedophiles. We don't need
18: somebody getting off on the communion set. What, what, what? I drove 3,000 miles to visit Bruce. He was just sitting out there rotting away, being scavenged, and you know the, all the jacks were gone. He was laying on his belly, and it, it was an awful fight. But it was still Bruce, and I was carrying pizza to him. Bruce smells pizza, and there's the, the love of his life returning for him. I went into the tub van and, and had the pizza with him, and was able to have some, some intimate moments with him, and it felt like I'd never left him. I did marry Bruce in July of last year. I wanted to show that uh, my commitment to him was unconditional, like any other married couple. Being able to to touch him when I want to like giving your wife a hug or giving your husband a hug you want to be able to, to do that and have that closeness and there's not really a whole lot of difference in, in, in how we do things or how we or how we uh, spend time with each other uh, Bruce had to come into the shop because he's undergoing a restoration and they're just going to go piece by piece over Bruce make sure he's healthy as he was on day one actually even a little better it was like my husband was in the hospital uh, and, and I would visit him daily. But I think at one point in time he might have even believed that he was going to a scrapyard, especially when they started tearing him apart. But I think now he knows we're over that hurdle and it's only going to go up from here.
13: When I met Lady Liberty, um, the flags already knew another friendship with Lady Liberty. They were already friends. So I wasn't. it didn't feel like I was cheating on anybody. The first part of Libby that I fell in love with was her crown and her torch as well, but it was a crown that initially got me attracted to her. I just want to be able to tell people that I love her because I am proud of loving her. I am really proud to have her. I'm really proud that she's part of my life. I like to just put my arms around her. I like to kiss her. And that that's basically a lot of it. That's a big part of it, you know. Come to bed with me and her be the last thing I see at night when I wake up see her. You know, that that is what I like.
12: Yeah.
5: Yeah. I, I, I thought I'd have some witty repartee for this section. But I'm still in the same mode I was Friday in Pensacola Beach, waiting for it to cool down a little bit, and I just clicked on it. It was in the new feed for documentaries, and me and the wife were just transfixed to this shit. We couldn't get our eyes off it. It was like, they can't be serious, but they They are serious. They are serious. And I gotta, you know, I, I, I do comedy routines occasionally with people I talk about, about how the fucking wrong has your sex life gone when you gotta do shit that you see on the internet or you get addicted to the internet porn and think that's real. You know, that's where you gotta go. It's kinda like taking a belt sander to your junk. These people have gone past a grinder. They have arc welded their junk and now they're going, you know what? I'm going to rub my junk on the Eiffel Tower. I mean, you have just, you have lost gravity and are floating away in cuckoo land. I mean, you, wow, Wow wowsy, wow, wow. And with that, a music break and news, social media nuggets. Oh
1: poking at the media bubble one podcast at a time here's
12: tony reed come fly with me let's fly let's fly away if you can use some exotic booze there's a bar in far bombay come on and fly with me let's fly let's fly away
1: Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind.
5: Military corner, plagiarized, error-riddled White House petition to designate Antifa, a terror group, gets 200K signatures. Adam Weinstein, senior editor, task and purpose. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to talk about how stupid everything's getting. This is a solely military site. This week, simultaneously, The sound bites I have played forever from action figure therapy also decided to do Trump's a piece of shit. And if you support Trump, unlike us and stuff about Nazis. And then when people said, hey, wait a minute, Nazis aren't good. But why the fuck are you going into politics? We don't come to you for politics. They went, you're racist. And subsequently, I've unfollowed them. I still like the page. And I'm sent them a letter and said, hey, I bought all sorts of your shit. You made a shirt because of me. If it fucks with you, kill it with a hammer. I told them to make a shirt. They made a shirt. They sent me the shirt. I have stickers of problem solved, problem staying solved all over the Southeast. I put it everywhere. It's on my fucking computer right here. The studio computer has one, but I understand you don't like Trump, and I understand Adam Weinstein from Task and Purpose, you don't like Trump, but we're going to you for military shit, action figure therapy, we're going for you for off the wall crazy shit, we knew all along you're not soldiers, but you decided to get a niche and do it, you made some money off it. A lot off me, probably about $600 over the last four years, i bought of your shit, including your club, when well, I got shitty shirts that I already had, because they hadn't made new shit in a long time. I even listened to your stupid podcast, Boner City USA, which was four dorks sitting there talking about farts. Granted, I laughed a little bit, but it's infiltrating everything. I wrote Adam Weinstein also a letter, and I pretty much said, hey, listen, why don't you go over to a lefty site? Every article you have is liberal, where you have to admonish anybody with a different opinion. In this case, I signed that petition, not because I support Nazis, not that I really care that Nazis get hit with a brick, but what I do care about is no group should have the right to use violence just because they're from your political persuasion. The moment we condone that kind of conduct, we have fucking all sorts of problems, folks. When vigilante is vigilanteism, I'm gonna say it like an old guy on a porch, is the answer. We're fucked. Cause anybody will think they can do it. And with the code of enforcement we're doing right now with our media. BLM guys beating up on a woman, I knock him the fuck out. That dude's a racist, he hit a black person. That's how it's reported, it's not that they were wailing on a woman. It's just white dude hit black dude. Because they want to cover up all violence. They've yet to play Pigs in a Blanket, Fire Mike Bacon. Never played it. It's all over Twitter. Nobody photoshopped it. So, that's why I cover it here. Let's get back to the good military stuff. Seven post 9-11 generals as characters on Game of Thrones. Alistair Thorne, Army Lieutenant Mike, Army Lieutenant General Mike Flynn. Tormund Gyotsbin. I don't know how to say his name. I can't remember the Gilspain or whatever the fuck. I, I like him. He's a good dude. Uh, Stanley McChrystal. Grey Worm, Navy Admiral John Richardson. Tora Mormont, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster, who I met back in the day when I was a fucking OC, Stannis Baratheon, David Petraeus, John Snow, Marine Corps General James Mattis, and I thought that was pretty funny. That was also an article on task and purpose. Another article I got from Task and Purpose is sometimes the best medicine for a veteran is the company of another veteran. Many take time on Memorial Day to remember the Americans who have given their lives in service to our country, but for veterans and their family, that sentiment of remembrance is felt year-round. Many veterans suffer lifelong anguish over the loss of the brothers and sisters-in-arms. For them, Memorial Day is a day like every other day, a day they remember those who died in war. This shared grief is just one way some veterans are affected by the military service. Veterans are also molded by military culture, a unique set of values, traditions, language, and even humor. Military culture has unique subcultures, but it has enough consistency across different branches, ranks, and time periods to make most veterans feel a kinship. Recognizing this kinship has led veterans' service and healthcare care organizations to encourage veterans to build a trusting relationship and support each other. Researchers have learned that veterans are more likely to share personal information and ask advice about many things, including health care from fellow vets. That's why the VA offers employment to veterans as peer specialists. My research supports the idea that veterans are an important resource who can be trained to support fellow veterans in need. What's more, I've learned that civilian care for veterans can be improved when civilians are trained in a military culture. And I think, um, Pretty spot on. I think that has a lot to do with what's broken with VA personally. I don't see the way this guy talked. You know, I I remember being in, and I don't mean this to be homophobic, but I'll just say I I remember being in a Miami VA clinic um, or hospital. I literally had pneumonia. I was just trying to get seen in this uber effeminate Homosexual male, Latina, I'll say Latina like a woman because that's how he said it, uh, literally didn't want to give me service because he said I made too much money. Problem was, I was trying to file it on a TRICARE, my insurance. One hour later, it took a supervisor yelling at him to stop being the social worker at the counter, shaming people who make money. He never served a fucking day in his life. So I think the VA could really use that advice and bring more people, especially just the counter guys, just a counter guy. Let them come and pull CQ in your establishment, all right, or staff, duty, officer, NCO, and get the repartee going because that's what's needed. A lot of guys don't want to talk to people about the problems from the pecker to their brain. They don't want to talk to civilians about it okay with the music playing it's time for the crazy this i swear to god it's gotta be a sign of the end of days meet Udi, the uterus an emoji for planned parenthood move aside mickey mouse and let us welcome Udi, an expressive emoji uterus invented to support the abortion conglomerate Planned Parenthood. Invented for the iPhone, the new Udi, the uterus emoji app, can be installed for $1.99 and comes with an assortment of smiley expressions and personas. All proceeds go to Planned Parenthood. So just who is Udi the uterus? Her website says the following, Udi is an expressive uterus in shades of millennial pink. You can catch Udi drinking cold brew, wasting time on the phone, and of course, swiping. Finally, it was about time someone made an animated uterus emoji set, Set, Udi here, so we can celebrate this amazing reproductive organ, as well as support the fantastic health service of the Butchers of plant parent. Are you fucking shitting me? Oh my lord Jesus. What is wrong with you people? Any woman that sent me a smiley uterus, I would never fucking talk to her again. Moving along, landlord trying to evict tenant for hanging a Confederate flag in his window. Trying to say it's a contract gives up any free speech rights by his execution of lease agreement which bans objectable conduct taking him to jail trying to have him doggone arrested deported fucking i'm not deported but evicted and wow wow i have three in my neighborhood i don't like them because i also have three blm bullshits in my neighborhood but I, i just don't fucking pay it's their house do what the fuck you want this is the this is where this is nineteen this is the Orwell. This is just the fucking nineteen eighty-four bullshit telling everybody else how to fucking live. Thieves rush sneaker stores, steal thousands of merchandise in just seconds. Police are looking for a group of ten young men in a series of quick-hitting thefts at sneaker stores on the Upper East Side. A group of alleged thieves, believed to be in their late teens, early twenties, have hit a Nike store, a Jack Rabbit store on Third Avenue, at least. Three times this June, swiping up to $3,000 in merchandise. Notice nowhere in their race what they were, because that's New York. What do you look like? A person. Okay, we'll we'll run that one down. An interesting snippet one I got from Bloomberg. People started hitting their jobs at age 35. I thought that was actually pretty apropos, really. I think around 35. I was done with the army. I um, I coasted it for two years. I, I was I was tired. This one's horrible. I, I almost didn't cover it in news and social media nuggets, but it is a nugget I found online. Young mom crushed to death in hospital right after she gave birth to her baby. Basically, the elevator just started going the fuck up. She was in her doggone gurney and it cut her in half that is just fucking horrible what the fuck I mean, that is a lawsuit right there death at a sex festival police arrest man found with class A drugs at a kink rave after a middle aged is found dead in a tent a woman in her 40's there went to the hospital these two were getting their freak on in a tent in Britain and they got some bad acid or something one of them's dead the other one's in a bad bad way but not as bad as this way hundreds confessed to eating human flesh yeah that's fucking horrible but it's true p martzberg a community meeting followed the arrest of four escort men for allegedly killing a person and eating his human flesh saw hundreds of residents allegedly confessed to having eaten human body parts procured from one of the accused. The four men, Nino Mabatha, Stamisbio Sithole, Linkul, Masando, Lunguincini, Magubane, appeared in escort Magistrate Court on Monday on charges of murder and conspiracy. This after one of the four men allegedly walked into a police station on Friday holding a human body part, and confessed to being tired of eating human flesh. When he was questioned, he produced part of a leg and a hand. Further investigation led police to a house where they found a foul smell and a bunch of body parts. The Walking Fucking Dead. Oh, but at the end of the day, they were eating a chick. They raped her and chopped her up. And that is one of the most horrible stories I've ever read. Not as bad as the mother being killed. I gotta find better crazy stories. Cause that's fucked up. Let's go to college crazy. I play the millennial song, but I kind of wore it out in the last podcast. BSU resists call to fire professor for promoting parental rights. Boise State University is facing backlash for writing an op-ed expressing concerns about the erosion of parental rights with regards to their children's gender identity. One student wrote both an op-ed and a petition calling for him to be fired, an article that threatens the existence of queer and non-binary folks by promoting rhetorical violence against their livelihoods. Rhetorical violence, really? Mm. Scott Yenor, a professor of political science at BSU, contributed an op-ed in the Daily Signal titled, Transgender Activists Are Seeking to Undermine Parental Rights. Parental rights related to the age of consent, which states protect in order for children to give time and space to become mature independent adults. Americans do not want their children overly sexualized and they respect the right of parents to educate their children. Transgender rights activists are seeking to abridge parental rights by elevating the independent choice of young children to the same level. He continues warning that respecting the sexual and gender choices of every young children erodes parental rights and compromises the integrity of the family as an independent unit. He also compares the issue of transgender rights to same-sex marriage which he calls the last great feminist victory, saying put ever more children outside the purpose of marriage and reinforce the idea that all means of sexual satisfaction are equal. He's spot on. He'll be fired. You wait, I'll keep on him, but he'll get get fired for this shit. We got a lot of Antifa this week. Dartmouth scholar endorses Antifa violence. Mark Bray, a visiting scholar at Dartmouth College, has repeatedly defended Antifa use of violence in response to white supremacist organizations. In a recent appearance on Meet the Press, Bray argued that violence is a legitimate response. So that is the gentleman we heard on the Chuck Toad stuff. Physical violence against white supremacists is both ethically justifiable and strategically effective, he said. Yeah. During the appearance, Bray maintained that Americans must emulate such groups. Clearly, we can see the rationale, discourse, and debate was insufficient. So he is outright calling for violence. The problem is, what he and the media keeps forgetting, and I know I already pontificated about it, everybody's a white nationalist now. Patrick, you're a white nationalist to these fruit bats. Just fruit bats. Yeah, there we go, fruit bats. You're a white nationalist. You wear the wrong outfit one day just by accident. You're a fucking, you're a supremacist, man. What is a white nationalist? So you're saying, basically what this professor's saying is go attack fucking everybody. Sweet Jesus. Another one solicits support for Campus Anti-Fascist Network. Two professors, one from Purdue University and the other from Stanford, are assembling a Campus Anti-Fascist Network, CAN, to serve as a big tent for anyone committed to fighting fascism. Uh, Professor Bill Mullen of Stanford, no, I'm sorry, Bill Mullen of Purdue and Professor David Palumba Lee in Stanford, we would advocate self-defense of those who are being threatened by fascists but not violence, they said. Since Trump's election, fascists, neo-fascists and their allies have used blatantly Islamophobic anti-Semitic, racist, misogynist, homophobic, transphobic, and ableist messages and iconography to recruit their ranks and intimidate students, faculty, and staff. The time to take action is now. We call on all interested people to join with us and go crush them skulls. Kind of getting the reason why all these kids are out in the street now. This one's even worse. Feminist professor decries militarized patriotism at sporting events. A feminist professor at Clark University recently lamented the militarized patriotism spring at sporting events, adding that she has cringed upon seeing the American flag unfurled. While attending a Boston Red Sox game, she even recounts it, say, stingingly on my hands. Cynthia Endlow, a research professor at Clark University, wrote in a recent article for the University of California Press that she worries she may be complicit and the insinuation of militarized patriotism at sporting events such as those that held at Yankee Stadium. I cringed when the mammoth stars and stripes unfurled in the outfield down the beloved green monster wall. Having recently attended a Red Sox game, and Chloe recounted her discomfort when the crowd sung the national anthem. Red Sox fans are boisterously friendly, lot, so I felt I had to stand up with everyone else when a teenage girl sang the national anthem she wrote adding that she cringed when the stars and stripes came down but i kept my cringes to myself enloe's discontent grew when a veteran was honored at the stadium while the rest of the crowd erupted in applause for the hero enloe writes that she sat stingingly on my hands still saying nothing later when the crowd stood to sing america the beautiful she sat quietly while her friends smiled down at her sympathetically Warning that patriotism is escalating in American sporting events, Enloe explains that while it is the most prominent in NFL games and NASCAR races, it is nonetheless in full bloom at the Major League Baseball games. While patriotism might seem like a positive sentiment, Enloe argues it is actually problematic because it can be weaponized to perpetuate the patriarchy, asserting that patriotic displays marginalize women while honoring men. Women, she says, are expected to be grateful to men and to masculinize state for offering them military protection, and they risk being seen as unfeminine if they do not comply. So when I was recently at Beloved Fenway, I wondered why both the Red Sox administrators and many of the fans seemed comfortable believing that active-duty soldiers are military veterans were the most appropriate people to carry the flag. Why not battered women's shelter volunteers or nurses? a kindergarten teacher and if those women were chosen would the male sports fan feel as comfortable as female fans with the choice yeah yeah that's a whole lot of fucking go fuck yourself and eat a bag of dicks while you're fucking yourself piece of shit FSU's offering free training on how to be a social justice ally. College hosts lit for school justice retreat for high schoolers. Another professor shares tricks for sneaking social justice in the classroom by altering assignments so that you can dog white people is what she says in the article. Yeah. Another one. Professor urges abortionists to embrace gruesomeness of their job. A group of pro-abortion University of Michigan professors recently suggested that abortion providers should be more open about the gruesomeness of their jobs, despite the risk of pushback from pro-life groups who are out there just beating people up. Okay. The professor believes that speaking more openly about the most disturbing aspects of their will of their job will give abortion providers validation and pride in their work. Wow. If you have pride in your work when you're killing a baby, you're a ghoul. Rockland parents grill school board over transgender discussion in kindergarten. Basically, the teachers, it's not in the curriculum, wrote, they literally read book by that jazz girl on, is this a girl, is this a guy? I don't know what he is. It's on freaking Walt Disney. And the parents fucking blew the fuck up. But the school board was like, hey, you know what? It's within the curriculum. Go fuck yourself. We'll just promise to send you more paperwork telling you we're going to indoctrinate your kids. Within this article, little girls and boys went home and were confused because it's fucking kindergarten that they could change sex. One of the transgender kids in this kindergarten was changing back from boy to girl And it confuses the shit out of the kids. But you know... It's all about indoctrination. It's not about rights. It's indoctrination. The Democrats get their way. We'll never procreate ever again. Everybody be gay... Or you'll get an abortion. It's only two options. Anything else... You're fucking horrible. Columbus Dispatch... Don't call it Columbus Day in Oberlin. Now City celebrates... Indigenous People Day. Yeah... They voted that shit in. Among the other groups that demonstrated for this were the Black Central Democratic Socialists of America and People's Justice Project. Yeah. 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 Sean King, who was excited about it, hashtag Columbus Day is a day where I teach my kids how history and holidays are used to spread white supremacy. Because he's the... he tweeted this, and that's where I got it. Jason Howerton said, I bet Thanksgiving and Christmas are a blast in this household, which is really spot the fuck on. Another great one, white people, here are 10 requests from a Black Lives Matter leader. Some things I'm thinking about that should change in that southern black grandma voice. Number one, white people, if you don't have any descendants, will you property Will, will your property to a black or brown family, preferably one that lives in a generational poverty. White people, if you're inheriting property, you intend to sell upon acceptance, give it to a black or brown family. You're bound to make that money in some other way
8: with your white privilege.
5: Yeah, that's that's what, what she said. If you are a developer or a realty owner of a multi-family housing, build a sustainable complex in a black or brown blighted neighborhood and let black and brown people live in it for free. Number four, white people. If you can afford to downsize, give up the home you own to a black or brown family. Just give it up. Go live in a fucking tent. Number five, white people. If any of the people you intend to leave your property to are racist assholes, change the will and give it all to black people. 6 white people, rebudget your monthly so you can donate a, to black funds for land purchasing. 7 white people, especially white women because this is you specialty, nosy Jenny and meddling Kathy. Get a racist fired. Y'all know what the fuck they be saying. You are complicit when you ignore it. Number eight. Backing up number number seven. This should be easy, but all those sheetless Klan Nazis and other little dick white men will all be returning to work. Get their ass fired. Call the police. Even they look suspicious. I did not go into Arbonics to be a racist. That's the way she wrote it. Number nine, okay, backing up number eight of any white person at your work or as you enter in spaces and you overhear a white person praising the actions from yesterday, first get a pick, get their name, and more info. Hell, find out where they work. Get them fired. But certainly address them. And if you need to, you got hands, use them. But remember, BLM doesn't call for violence. I want everybody to pause. Take it in. She's a leader of BLM. They don't know. They're not violent. That's what the media says. And last but not last, uh, last but not least, commit to two things. Fighting white supremacy where and how you can. This doesn't mean taking up knitting unless you're making scarves for black and brown kids and funding black and brown people and their work. Hashtag run us our land. Hashtag reparations. Hashtag you gone learn today. Hashtag Run us our money.
6: Yeah.
5: That's not racist. Let's go to our lighter fair. So we'll start our lighter fair with something that I I think sums up where we're at as a country, especially with our media. MS ESPN pulls Asian announcer named Robert Lee off UVA game to avoid offending people. We collectively made the decision with Robert to switch games as the tragic events in Charlottesville were unfolding simply because of the coincidence of his name. And that moment it felt right to all parties. It's a shame that this even a topic of conversation and we regret that who calls plays by plays for a football game has become an issue. Hmm. Robert Lee, an Asian, not related to a general, and we're assholes because we bring up how fucking PC ESPN is. Hey, listen up, ESPN moonbacks. Slowly but surely, you're losing your ratings. And you're losing your ratings because Stephen A. spends every day calling every white person a fucking racist and talking nothing but race politics on a sports channel. Every day, you're talking about all this stuff other than Mike and Mike, who mentioned it briefly because they don't want to lose their show. By that, they don't want to lose people watching it. You had a fucking... Fantasy draft slave auction. And you freaked out and it hit all your network. Radio, TV. It's all you talked about. So you're idiots, but keep it up. Fox Sports One and the NFL network are gaining people. I mean, last year by the end of it, I was watching the NFL network. I didn't even watch ESPN. I've slowly started watching Mike and Mike and listening to it, because that's an addiction. It's not really because I like the cha- I hate Greenberg. He's an uber-lib. But, at the end of the day, that's how stupid you people are, and it just makes me laugh. I mean, every Oriental person, all the Koreans with last name Lee, are now fucking racist? Is that what you're saying? I mean, really? Good fucking Lord. So, I searched for some other stuff, um, this is called Rated Red, it's a YouTube channel, the first one you're going to hear is Alabama Man Carving Spam, I, you know what, I just got to play that, because that's about the dumbest shit ever, and then I found two fast fast fishing dudes, who literally, you would never guess they were, and I'm not stereotyping, but these two dudes wear the dress, they look like a rap video, but they're fishermen, um, Which once again shows more and more how bass fishing and football take the tenants of what people are and who they are and all the stereotypes we place and just throws them the fuck out and makes you realize well, the military works. We can throw people from all sorts of different backgrounds. We all have the same interest and we're all pretty much the same people. It's the politicians. It's the agenda driven progressive moon bats. And it's the media that make everything about politics. But these two dudes are taking some lingo to the hose is what he said. And that I didn't hear the rest of it because after that I went, you know what? Taking lingo to the hose. Carbon span. I'm playing it!
19: Hey everybody, this is Alabama Boss. Many of y'all may not know this, but it's the 80th anniversary of the greatest meat ever put in a can. Spam. And to celebrate that, we're going to do a little Spam art. Let's get it on! I'm going to a little Hickory Smoked Spam for this one. This Hickory Spam smells really good. Hombre. Glad you this <laughs> right, For this next one, I'm gonna attempt the impossible. I'm gonna do a self-sculptured portrait out of Spam. That's the one problem with Spam. It likes to stay in the can. It's scared to come out and get some. That sound right there makes the kids happy. Nose is a little crooked. It's okay. It's starting to yes. creep me out a little bit looking mm-hmm. at it. That's me. Beautiful looking guy right there. For my next spam creation, I'm going to do it blindfolded because it's just a little too easy for me. This stuff does not feel good blindfolded. Is it looking like a tree? It feels a little bit like a trunk. That mushroom. Happy birthday, Spam. Thanks for making me the man I am physically. All right, that's my carving for today. Some of y'all may carve out there. I don't know. Let me know what your favorite canned meat is. This is Alabama Boss Rated red.
16: I'm Oliver Nye. And I'm Carnell Lee from Raider Red's Breaking Bass.
15: Breaking Bass is our new show where we put our spin on fishing and travel the country chasing the dream.
16: When it comes to fishing, there's a whole lot of lingo out there. So we thought it'd be fun to quiz a couple of the hosts here at Raider Red before we take them out on the lake.
15: I'm gonna go out on a limb here and guess this isn't gonna be pretty.
14: You use beef jerky? <laughs> no sounds disgusting and sexual but if I have to relate this to like I guess fish do you just like jerk the pole Ugh. where the fish talks back to you or the worm okay so you jerk the pole. like is that like a technique
9: it's a
2: technique and you just good
10: Boom. you want oh
14: you, just
2: like you gotta jerk you it wanna, that
10: way not this don't way thrust uh. it.
14: honey hole it sounds so gross it sounds so gross that's where, like, a sweet spot, like, where all the fish hang out, right? Mm. Yeah, see, I know something.
12: That's a honey hey. hole.
14: It's the girl version of a g***y hole. Yeah. Oh, boy, that sounds like you're a nightwalker. <laughs> That's what that sounds like, and everybody on the block has gotten some. That's what that is.
15: Yeah, that is true. That's Community true.
14: Community hole. A what?
12: A lunker.
14: A lunker? Lunker? I don't even. Give me a hint. Is it something on a fishing pole? Bucket mouth. That sounds like a fish with a gigantic mouth. Lipping? What the fish does maybe whenever it is on the line, no. on the hook. By the lip. With your thumb. That's like right. my mom and she's mad at me. Oh, dang. Put my hair. Mmm. You pick it up. There you go, you lip it. Okay. But you don't, because I don't touch fish. So <laughs> Ugh. Do you use like a like a hanger out of a closet or something to fish with? No. Oh, okay. If you taxidermy a fish and then you put it on the wall. Dang. Right? Yeah. A bronze back? How about a fish that's not gold, it's not silver, it's bronze. It's an okay fish. <laughs> okay, it's like the Kim Kardashian of fish.
16: Yeah, I guess you could say okay. that because they're they're pretty luptuous
14: Okay, <laughs> cool.
16: Pretty luptuous fish. Singing? When you think of a drag singing, what do you think of?
14: I think of going to like a drag queen show and they're like singing some Britney Spears. <laughs>
12: <laughs> 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 Close. No.
15: We're gonna have to bring these ladies up to speed and teach them a couple things about fishing. I agree.
16: Stay tuned to see what happens when we take them out on the lake. And be sure to check out our new show, Breaking Bass, premiering August 15th, exclusively on Verizons Go 90. I'm Carnell
8: Lee, and I'm Oliver Not. We're breaking bass.
5: Some funny stuff. Once again, that's called rated red. It is on um, YouTube channel, Red and Red. They have a whole bunch of different people. Pretty doggone funny stuff. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments about the track by email in F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast at gmail.com. Dot com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast tune TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politik webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S T dot com. Foppodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page and to email us. There you also see links to every episode on the episode release page and my blogs on the blog page. Next podcast, since we're a day late, we'll be day late again. We're going to go the 26th of August, Year of Our Lord 2017. My wife's got to work. I'll do a Saturday podcast where I can spend a little more time on it. I have to admit by the end of this podcast, is a little depressing. Even with the OS fun, I'm in a moment or in a period looking at our country going, what the fuck is wrong with us? So I urge all of you like I did for the four days or five days, I guess. On my vacation, hit pause, turn off your phone, TV, and everything, and just enjoy your family. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees, but I truly believe in my heart of hearts, that normal Americans that fly out over states aren't all racist. We all don't walk around looking at people through the prism of race and what color they are, or gender, or sexual orientation, or whatever. We say hello to each other. We say goodbye to each other. We're not caught up in all the crazy that the media is saying we are. And whether you voted for Trump or you didn't vote for Trump, not much difference between us. We were picking a pretty shitty pick at the end of the day. We really just chose based on whether you thought she was the devil or he was the devil. Additionally, most of us aren't alt-left or alt-right. Those are main names we just made up in the age of Trump, to vilify other people. But if we succumb to the crazy, we really will have problems in this country. To give you an example, a local paper was doing interviews with people from out of state and what they thought of Oak Grove. A person from Clarksville, Tennessee, spoke about Oak Grove, Hopkinsville, and Christian County. You saw it on your TV because it was one of the premier spots to watch the solar eclipse. This African-American lady literally said, I was surprised to see that Oak Grove has finally realized and is accepting how important it is to have diversity. She's hook, line, and sinker into the political talking points, even in a solar eclipse. Those people are one in a thousand Someday, let's hope that those people are the ones that we ostracize. Because people are just people. There are racists. There are sexists. There are homophobes and transphobes. There's also heterophobes. There's people that are racist against whites and blame everything in the world on whites. There's also women that hate men. To say that's not a true statement... Is not being aware of human nature. Some people just gotta look at others to blame them to feel better about themselves. Why do you think the internet is so much fun? I mean, seriously. What was the internet originally before it all turned to porn? Dogging people anonymously. But we gotta stay constant to who we are. We're a great country. Even of reporters and professors get triggered by the militarization of patriotism. It's a great country. It's still worth loving, even if all around us, crazy stuff rules the day. So until next time, my friends, have a great rest of the week, and thanks for listening.
0: flyover politic podcast the show for normal americans from his undisclosed bunker here's your host tony reed